Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker Podcast. We're on iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, and the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C. This is Burke Allen. And a big thank you so much to our sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com. SpeakerMatch is the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. And that means if you're a meeting planner or if you're a keynote speaker, you know, this coronavirus thing is not going to keep those events shut down forever. Go to SpeakerMatch.com and be ready to roll when it's safe to do so. SpeakerMatch.com, sponsoring our big-time talker podcast. You know, it's been pretty rough sledding here in the Washington, D.C. area in the last several months. A brutal presidential campaign, uh, that riot at the Capitol on January 6th. So we thought it would be time for some good news on the podcast, and I'm all about that. And I want to welcome in my friend Chip Rowan, who's in Alabama and is doing good work with the beautiful Rainbow Cafe. We want to talk to him about that, what it is, and how it might be applicable in your community. So hello, Chip. Hey, Burke. I'm glad to be here. You have done something pretty unique there with the cafe uh, where you help some folks that, that frankly, are, are sometimes seen as, as throwaways in our society. I want to get into that. But before we do, I want to talk about your journey and how it is that you came to to found the beautiful Rainbow Cafe. You are an attorney by trade, right? I I did practice law for many, many years. Uh, I'm also a special education teacher by trade. So I'm one of those uh, multitaskers. Now, as a guy who is an attorney, um, and this is a generalization, folks think of attorneys as, uh, you know, living in a pretty good house and driving a pretty good car. And uh, special education teachers, as important as you are, do not necessarily get those perks of the legal trade. So what is it about being a special ed teacher that drew you in and and made you say, you know what, I'm going to give up this this relatively comfortable life as an attorney where I had to go to school for eight years to do it and do something else? That, That seems like a big life change. Well, actually, Burke, my law practice focused on work with people with disabilities, and I was one of those lawyers who um, worked in the nonprofit sphere representing back in the 80s and 90s, especially people with uh, HIV disease and other uh, serious illnesses, and have had a lifelong interest in working with people with disabilities. So, um, and so in that way, it's not so much a big leap. It, it was um, an, an interest uh, – um, both my law practice and my job as a teacher. Was there someone with disabilities that you met uh, as a younger chip that, that got you interested in this? Or what is it that flipped that, that switch for you? Well, so in high school, um, I was one of these kids in Alabama who was a little bit competitive, and I wanted to be, you know, the head of every club and the um, person who made the highest grades. And I did have plans to go to law school and maybe go into politics. So I was uh, pretty driven to be uh, very involved in all all these organizations at school. And and in connection with one of those organizations – Um, We had a service project we had to complete that was working in a summer program with 
children with disabilities. And I really was not looking forward to spending my summer doing that, Burke. But um, when I got in there, and like I said, it was part of an obligation. When I got in there and started working with the kids, I just was enraptured with it. It just was the most satisfying thing I had ever done. And so really from that point on, my path in life changed. We're talking to uh, the brains behind the beautiful Rainbow Cafe. And by the way, it uh, if you want to find out more about it, visit BeautifulRainbowCafe.com. BeautifulRainbowCafe.com. The cafe is in Gadsden, Alabama. Um, and I'll let you describe it, but, but uh, it has been described by a mutual friend of ours as this really hip cafe uh, in the library there in Gadsden. But... The folks that really make the cafe run along with you are folks with disabilities. So paint that picture for us of the beautiful rainbow. Right. So anyway, the cafe is run by people with disabilities. And as far as I know, Barkett, it's the only full-service cafe in the United States that's run solely by students with significant cognitive disabilities. And when we're talking about students with significant cognitive disabilities, what we're talking about are uh, students on the autism spectrum or students who um, are typically students who are in what we call self-contained classrooms in schools. They don't really mix with other students. Students with Down syndrome and other sort of um, cognitive uh, disabilities. And so the purpose of Beautiful Rainbow Cafe is for these students to uh, learn the skills they'll need to be able to more uh, fully participate in the community. I had looked at uh, some statistics before we started the cafe that here in our community, students who were completing high school students with disabilities who were completing high school that five years later, we, we went back to see what they were doing. And not a single one of them out of uh, about 120, not a single one of them had a job or was in any kind of job training. So they were just at home or in some sort of daycare, adult daycare settings. So what a failure, you know, on the part of the education system that we had uh, not prepared these students better. So in this cafe, by them actually doing every job that you have to do to run a cafe from preparing the food, we also grow a lot of our own food in a garden that we have here, preparing the food, washing the dishes, running a point of sale system, serving the customers, ordering supplies, every single aspect um, of running a, a food service operation is done by the students. And that uh, has really changed our outcomes here. And we've actually been successful now in placing our students in competitive employment in this community. And thus, the good news portion of the conversation. And it's so important, to, uh, the what you do there. And and it just puts a smile on my face. I, I, you know, my son uh, is, is almost 16, Chip, and he, he and I have spent a lot of time together during the pandemic. And and one of the things we like to do is is have a movie night once a week. And he got to pick the movie this past week. And he said, Dad, I want you to watch this movie with me. I haven't seen it, but I saw the preview. And it's a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, and you may or may not be familiar with it, but it's uh, it's a movie about a, a young man with uh, with Down syndrome. And, and there's some similarities to, to his story in that film to what you do at the beautiful Rainbow Cafe. What what generally happens to folks with uh, with these severe disabilities 
um, after school, uh, you know, are they sort of, you know, locked away with family or in these adult cares, uh, daycares for the rest of their life? Is, is that generally what happens? Well, yes, unfortunately, Bart, it is. Uh, if you look at some statistics from the U.S. Department of Labor uh, with, st- with people with disabilities in general, you know, uh, there's a huge unemployment and underemployment problem. Statistics run as high as over 80 percent unemployment rates among people with disabilities. And I'm sure those statistics are looking also at people with milder or what we would call milder impairments. So among people who have more significant impairments, uh, I would anticipate that uh, fewer than 10% of them have any sort of gainful employment in adulthood. And that's just a complete waste of human capital and a real failure uh, of our societies and our education system and, and of our moral um, uh, standing in, in as communities. So, um Many times families are are the ones that have to step into the breach, and if they're not able, then unfortunately a lot of people end up in nursing homes, which are not appropriate for younger people. And, um, you know, the only programs that exist in many communities, especially in poor states like Alabama or, if you're lucky, maybe an adult daycare center or or something like that, if, if that's even available. So, um, you know, there's just a, a paucity of, of options available for folks. And and that was also, by the way, part of the, the gist of Peanut Butter Falcon. You know, this this younger guy wound up being in uh, in a, a southern uh, assisted living facility and, and broke out and, and uh, turned out he, he had a lot more capability than he was given credit for. When you look at potential employees for the beautiful Rainbow Cafe, how do you determine who gets to do it and who makes the cut? Well, that's a very good question. Um, we want to look at the students who are have been afforded the least opportunities, and often that means students who may be considered the most disabled. So those are the students that we really want to give an opportunity to, the students that would otherwise be overlooked. Students with some milder impairments might have a few more opportunities available to them. And um, so, you know, and we want to encourage that. But we want to look at the students with autism who maybe have some uh, problems interacting socially. We want to look at students who have not been considered as as students that have abilities and give them a chance. And we've and and you know what? Um, it's all about those expectations, and and I think you're alluding to that as well, that when you have real expectations for people, no matter what label you put on them, people will rise to the level of your expectations, and that's, that's our experience here is that people who are considered the most so-called handicapped – uh, end up being hugely successful. And and I, I know the mutual friend you were discussing saying that this is a hip cafe. You know, it really is. And, and we make really high-end food and um, and people come in and pay, I mean, uh, you know, pretty good money to eat here. And, and I'm telling my students that all the time. I'm saying, look at this, look at what you made and that these people are coming in and paying a lot of money to eat your food. That's huge. Um, yeah, you know, I, I saw an article online about uh, the cafe, and it's a, a vegan restaurant, a vegetarian restaurant in in Alabama. Which, to begin with, you go, hmm, 
hmm, how does that even play out? But, you know, lots of really cool things. You have pimento cheese quesadillas and guac, and I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Um, can you, and, and maybe for privacy reasons, you can't mention their name, uh, or you can give me an alternative name, but can you give me an example, Chip, of a student, uh, including, you know, their gender and their age and, and you know, their story from when you started with them until sort of the end of their term there? Because they work, do I have this right, they work for a year there while they're in, in high school or do they stay on afterwards? How long are they there? Well, well, both, Bark. They usually start as high school students and they get co-op credit, what's called co-op credit. Sure. So it's a class uh, where they get they get school credit. But we also pay wages, by the way, because oh, wow. we don't we don't uh, believe in exploiting people with disabilities. We pay minimum wage or higher for our our students. Um, so they usually start as high school students and some of them may work with us um, six months and we're able to place them in community employment because they've just progressed that rapidly and others might stay a year. Um, and in a couple of cases, we have students who have um finished their their high school but uh we're still working on getting them a community placement so we keep them here and 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 we are are sort of a big family but we've had uh, a lot of students come through here i'm gonna tell you a story about one who's really stands out to me okay uh this kid and we'll we'll call him jose uh it, it was a guatemalan asylee he he arrived unaccompanied as a 14 year old in the united states uh, he, without an adult in other words um uh, at the Texas border and was in a refugee camp for a while and then ended up being reunited with his family who were already here in Alabama. He could not speak English at all. He did not know how to use a knife or a fork. He he was like, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but he's kind of like Mowgli from Jungle Book. I mean, he was totally, um, you know, un, had never been to school in his life. He has several palsy and uh and cognitive impairment so um uh, on top of being an asylee who couldn't speak any of the language here uh he started school he was he came to my class i do spend part of my day at a, a local high school teaching before i come to the cafe okay and and then we brought him into the cafe and um you know a lot of our students come in as as students who are unable to read even as older adolescents or unable to count money or or count in some cases who have um, serious speech um, problems and challenges well the, jose came in with those same problems um but because we insist that the students do things like read recipes now we simplified them in the beginning for them and we train them and we insist that they read sops or standard operating procedures we insist that they go through serve safe training which is a national restaurant association curriculum for serving food safely and, and cleanly um, and because we insisted that he go out and serve customers and say you know how is your food can i get you anything else this um this young man who's now 17 and who just last week was granted finally full asylum and is going to be also receiving a green card um, and able to stay in the United States um, has become just a local star. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he is uh, one of our 
most famous students. People come in and ask for him by name to be their server. He can cook everything on the menu. He reads, um, he reads, you know, probably now on a second or third grade level, which is huge progress for somebody in that short of time. Speech speaks English, uh, just fine and uh you know has received several employment offers we're going we're trying to decide which one might be the best fit for him in this community uh for this semester so um you know he faced some really serious um so-called handicaps not just his cerebral palsy and cognitive uh, disability, but his the language barrier, the cultural barrier, and 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 the legal limbo that he has had to experience over the past few years. What an incredible turnaround for that young man! Um, yeah, and, and he just is one of those people that just loves life. You know, you would think, um, uh, you know, somebody that facing those many. Uh, hardships, but he embraces every challenge, wants to learn every recipe. And we even have a uh, cookie on the menu that has his name (laughs) on it uh, because he is famous for these one particular cookie um, that's uh, called a giant chocolate swirl cookie. And he's won several cooking competitions with it. So he's quite, he's quite, he's quite a kid. And that is the big part of the mission, uh, maybe the the main part of the mission for the beautiful Rainbow Cafe is to use it as this training environment. And you've had, I guess, quite a few students now who've gone on to work at, at mainstream restaurants there in Alabama, right? Right. And and not only restaurants, but yes. Um, so what what we've seen happen here is, remember I told you a few minutes ago that we had zero Um, students after five years who were employed, none, and, uh, and none that were involved in any job training. Right. And, and then in the couple of years that the cafe has opened, we've placed 26 of our students in private employment, either in, uh, restaurants. Yes. But we've also placed students in other kinds of jobs. We have, uh, students working in florist shops. We have students working, um, in a local packaging factory because we don't want to just teach food service. And as we've learned in um, during COVID, food service is so um, vulnerable right. that we want to teach students skills that are transferable to other job situations. And a lot of the job skills we do have to teach are things people call soft skills, like how do you get along with coworkers? Or how do you handle a situation when a boss asks you to do something you really don't want to do? Or, you know, how should you dress for work? Or what do you do if you need to be out of work for some reason? So teaching those skills is just as important, we found, as teaching some of the actual skills. You know, there may be uh, some cynical folks who are listening right now, Chip, who go, you know what, I I can kind of see – uh, you know, Chip's got his special needs kids and they're making lunch. I'll, you know, I'll pop in there and I'll do that because it's going to make me feel good about me to do the right thing. And I'll come in and throw some money at it and eat lunch there. And I'll walk out feeling a little bit better about myself. Um, however, I would assume that that's not the bulk of your customer base because you're not in you know a major metropolitan area where, where that can work, where they can only come in once and, and it'd be a sustainable thing. So, how do you keep sort of the, the level of what you serve and the level of service up so that you get repeat customers? How do you do that? 
You know, that's exactly uh, the thing I thought about when we were first opening. I was like, I, I think some people will come by just for the very reason you said, to feel good about themselves or to, to actually do something kind right. for others or, or just out of curiosity. So we knew that that might happen. But so we also knew, though, that we had to put out a product, a product that is competitive or superior. And um, so we do. And so we demand that the students produce food that's excellent, that is organic, fresh. We have a, our, our concept is a garden to table, farm to table, local ingredient um, uh, concept. And everything is, is made from scratch using the best techniques and the students are taught the best techniques and they're expected to, to perform. And um, so I don't think those people would be coming back unless they were getting some really good food and some really good service. And um, we have an open kitchen and, and our kitchen, we recently put up a, a glass partition because of COVID, but the, uh, the customers can watch what we're doing and they can watch that the, and see that it's the students that are preparing the food and that they're doing it properly and that they're doing it safely and that they're doing it cleanly and they're producing beautiful products. And you mentioned our website a minute ago. We have lots of uh, photos on our website of our food yep. that your your listeners can go and look at for themselves and see that we produce just some delicious stuff. Oh, yeah. There's some great video and, and photos there. Um, and, and, you know, this is award-winning stuff. You, you mentioned, again, it being sort of a farm-to-table thing. Uh, and, and I teased you a little bit about it being a vegetarian uh, restaurant. You are in Alabama. That, that is one meat-eating state there. So uh, <laughs> has, has there ever been discussion of uh, meat, or, or why did you decide to go the vegetarian route? I'm curious. Well, because I'm a vegetarian and I'm the boss. So <laughs> that, but um, I but it. I tell you what, uh, there was some, there was a little bit more uh, method to the madness than just that. Um, there isn't a vegetarian option within about 60 miles of where we are. Birmingham would be the closest place, and it's about 60 or 70 miles away where you would have another vegetarian restaurant. And people did tell me, "You're not going to succeed." If you don't offer meat, but we have not only succeeded, we've thrived because, um, you know, there are people who are vegetarian and vegan in in this town that don't have options. And now they do. But but beyond that, our food, if you ate our lasagna, if you ate our uh, quesadillas, if you ate our burgers, you would not miss, miss meat. I, I promise you. Um, it, even if you're a serious carnivore and we have plenty of those that come in here and they're totally satisfied with the food. So I think we fill a niche both uh, for people who don't have a vegetarian or a vegan option. And also we just make good food. See, and I think there's a business, a smart business reason there along with the fact that you're a vegetarian, but, but the fact that you're the only one there, you can zig when other people zag. Uh, Chip Brown's our guest today, and, and the business is beautiful Rainbow Cafe, located in Gadsden, Alabama. Check it out at beautifulrainbowcafe.com. Um, Chip, if if someone is listening right now, and wherever they are, all anywhere else in the, in the world, and they think, what a great idea, because you literally have made this a for real business. Not only are you doing the right thing here. But this is a restaurant that, that is making a little bit of money and teaching some life skills. Is it transferable? I mean, are there certain steps 
that someone in Poughkeepsie, New York, or Lincoln, Nebraska, or wherever could take to replicate what you've done there? Yes, I think it. I think that this concept and others that are related are are completely uh, open to other communities. I think you just have to have some imagination and some expectations for the for the people you're working with. You have to start with the attitude that people have ability, not disability, and you have to start with the idea that you're going to expect those people to produce something because you know it is probably the most quintessential human characteristic is the desire to be to create a create something and so people with disabilities have that same desire so whether we're talking about uh, establishing a cafe in a different community or a coffee shop which has been done in a a couple of other communities a car wash i'm i'm familiar with a car wash in south florida that is uh, primarily staffed by people on the autism spectrum um, those, uh, I don't know if it, uh, cleaning service, you name it, whatever you might have a passion for, um, uh, is something that can be taught to people, uh, of all abilities and, you know, you can establish a, a, a service. So, you know, it takes a, a few skills, putting together resources, getting to know your community. Uh, we have prided ourselves on having a lot of partnerships, with local farms, local dairies, local businesses, um, so that we've built relationships that offer our students employment opportunities or offer our our cafe products that we may need. So I think that uh, making those community um, connections, building those partnerships, and showing to your community what people are able to do, like I said, whether it be gardening, cooking, cleaning, whatever it is, um, it, it would be a great way to address the serious underemployment and underinvolvement of people with disabilities in our communities across the country. You know, Chip, you do this day in and day out. This is your life. You're a special ed teacher and you run the cafe, which do I understand this correctly? It's a lunchtime cafe, right? So that's where you are. Yes. Well, we're open for lunch, uh, but we're also open in the afternoon as more like a coffee shop. People can come in after our lunch hours with coffee or tea and have have our pastries. But yes, that's um, that's how we operate. Okay, got it. So so this is what you do all day. Um, yes, sir. And so you may be a little too close to it to be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it. And and that is, you know. What's it do for your heart inside when when you see a kid like Jose, who you mentioned earlier, go from zero to 100 miles an hour and, and being able to get things done? That that has to be an incredibly satisfying thing. Well, um, you're right, Burke. I mean, I, I usually most days I'm busy and focused on moving us up to the next level. And, you know, I don't often spend a lot of time kicking back and thinking about, wow, what a what a great thing we've created here and, and how good it makes us all feel. But it is very um, moving to see. I, I know for each kid that uh, when we get them a job and it's their first day, uh, on the job, I always go and, and take photos of them and, and, you know, make them feel real special. And those, those days are, I think, and maybe you feel it, uh, and, and you get to see, 
you know, uh, last week was for this semester, our first payday. So some of our new students got their first paychecks um, last week. And just to see the looks on their their faces and the excitement that they have, that is real gratifying. Um you know, we, we keep our shoulder to the wheel and keep our eyes on the prize most of the time. But but, yeah, it, it's it's you know, I, we're happy that we've made an impact in our community. You're doing great work there. I uh, I wonder for folks that do not have someone in their orbit who has these cognitive disabilities. Uh, and, and look, everyone is different, um, completely different. But can you sort of describe what those folks are like, those young people that you work with at, at the beautiful Rainbow Cafe, from a, a personality standpoint, from a, a heart standpoint, are there a couple of traits or uh, attributes, commonalities that these special needs folks have in common? Oh, I don't know about that. I can tell you we have a very wide variety of kids, and we have some that are, are sort of withdrawn and who speak very softly or, or don't speak much at all, but yet uh, those are the kids I, I, I pick out from the beginning that I say, I want them to be a server and send them out to wait on tables. Uh, and uh, then we have others who maybe have behavior issues who uh, are, are a little bit too active or a little bit too talk, too talkative. But, so, but what is the common thing? You asked me, what's, what is there some common characteristic? I think that the common thing is what happens when they all come together in an operation like this. They, they come in as very different people with a different set of personalities and personality traits. But I think when they come together and work in a place like this, then whatever is the best part of them is, is what comes out. And, and what I think is common about all of them is you can see, and, and they will tell you, uh, the excitement and and the self pride that they feel from being able to participate and like I said produce and to do it really on their own without some so called normal person coming in and and sort of really doing it for them so they come in all very different but they get into the sort of same uh, sense of accomplishment and and um, and pride I think. Um, as they as they go along here in our program, and are there certain things that you, as a special ed teacher, uh, uh, suggest or do, uh, sort of across the board with with those special needs folks to help them get it into gear? And I guess the reason I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this is, are there things that our listeners might be able to think about? Okay, I am able to do this. Uh, in my community, you know, how can I go about it? So are there are there certain structures that you put in place that that those folks tend to uh, to do better with or less well and you, you do those less? Oh, I tell you what, I think that that um, for me, what's been successful and I, I, I think it's critical is that you have to deal with these um, students as though they're young adults because they are. Uh, you cannot condescend to them uh, and you can't do things for them. You can't. I think that disables people further. I think that you talk to them as though they're uh, a peer right. and, and, and that you 
um, have expectations of them as though they're a peer. And, and that's something I've emphasized with you throughout this conversation is your mindset when you're working with this population has to be that you expect them to excel. And otherwise, just don't bother. It's not a daycare. You're not babysitting these people. No, sir. And if we wanted to have that, I'm sure we could. But no, this is a business, and this is a business where we expect you to succeed. And we have not had, and and I I promise you, we have not had anyone fail to meet our expectations when we have approached them that way. And when you talk about it being a business, Chip, and and you can check out this business at beautifulrainbowcafe.com, where Chip does some pretty amazing work with special needs folks. how important uh, are the relationships with with your vendors and community partners, and how difficult was it to kind of get over that gap? Again, thinking about being able to replicate something like this in, in other cities. You know, who do you work with, and how do you go about getting the buy-in from those folks? Well, first of all, I, I, I think that most people in most communities, uh, once they're asked to help, uh, people will probably respond um, because most people are good people who want to do good things. But um, I think that what you should do in your community is go to the the heavy hitters. We've gone to the best businesses, local ones. I think it's important to deal with people locally, less so than the big corporate, you know, sure. chains or, or whatever. But go to the, uh, today for lunch, we had one of the most important judges in our community here uh, eating, and which he does frequently because uh, we reached out to him and catered his investiture when he was first um, installed as a judge. And, and now he comes here all the time, brings his office staff and other attorneys come here for that reason. We've gone to the best restaurants in uh, the city and, um, you know, asked to partner with them. We have gone to, you know, the most important elected officials, the most um, visible faith community leaders. I think that you reach out to your community leaders, you invite them in and get them invested in it in some way. Uh, either because they're helping volunteer or they're hiring one of your your students or, or they're helping supply you with some important product. And then you are cross uh, uh, advertising with them on social media or something like that. Getting, you know, the local leaders involved and invested and, and, and sort of the trendsetters, you know, we're, we're snobby about the food. And so we appeal to food snobs. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, they, they then tell their friends about that. So I think those are some, some good ways to approach it is, is go after the, the important people in your community. Hit up your chamber of commerce, your foundations. In exactly. The area. Yep, yep. You know, speaking of which, the chamber of commerce here in Gadsden was absolutely critical to our success. The the director of that uh, chamber of commerce here met us when we were still a very uh, uh, nascent uh, program, and, and before we had moved into the cafe and we were operating out of a school kitchen, she discovered us and and helped promote us, and and uh, and so there are all kinds of resources. The, our local community foundation has been a, a great resource. Um, we're housed in the local uh, 
public library. So our partnership with the public library has been very critical to our success. So it's it's those kinds of partnerships with community establishments that have been, I think, very important and I think would be important to anybody. You can, by the way, see some of the student chefs uh, uh, that work at Beautiful Rainbow Cafe on their website. There's a great photo gallery there you can take a look at. And there's also a Donate Now button. So wherever you're listening, uh, anywhere in the world, you can make a donation to to help the work of Beautiful Rainbow Cafe. And and how did you set up the the financial piece of this whole thing? You, you obviously are a, a business that makes money. Are you a nonprofit or are you a for-profit business? How does that work? No, we are a nonprofit, and we're we're technically a a program of the Gadsden City Schools, but we also are partly funded by uh, a mix of of of, uh, of sources such as the North uh, the Community Foundation of Northeast Alabama, the local United Way, the uh, a couple of local civic clubs, and so it's a coalition of partners that come together to fund us, um, and that's one reason why we're able to pay the wages that we we pay um our when we talk about being a business our our food operation is self-sustaining and actually does make a profit wow. but in uh so we're we we make money on the sale of food but to do all of the training components that go into it because we're part of the day we we're, we're, we're always teaching on the job but also part of the day we take some of the students break away and go study the serve safe curriculum or study some skills or practice you know uh, role-playing different workplace scenarios. So to, to handle all the training aspects and the other uh, outreach aspects of our program, we get support from those uh, various community agencies. So Chip Restaurants, of course, one of the, the segments in, of the economy that just took it in the shorts with, with COVID. Um, yeah. Were you guys able to pivot in some way? And, you know, was there a, a catering arm of Beautiful Rainbow or – uh, do you, to make stuff to go for pickup or carry out or, or what were you able to do and, and where are you now with it? Well, um, so again, as a school-based program, we are, um, we operate like the school system does. And during part of COVID in the, in, in the spring of 2020, the schools in our community in all of Alabama closed. Sure. So during that time, the, the cafe was closed and we weren't able to have, person-to-person contact with students, but we continued to have a lot of online engagement. We created something called Cookie Club so that every week we all tried new cookie recipes online. We did virtual training um, videos, and students were able to follow those and and practice their recipes by following our Cookie Club. We also had a a local food uh, recipe every week, and, and we did that. Uh, online as well. And we we haven't mentioned this, but we do uh, have a large garden here on premises too, um, where we grow our own food. And so we also did something called Cans of Sunshine, where we sent out uh, to our students cans and seeds and soil, and they were growing crops on their windowsills. Ah, um, that's great. So 
so we did that kind of stuff, uh, Burke, until we were able to get back to school in late September of 2020. And uh, the cafe reopened a couple of weeks after that in October. We're open now and uh, we're open for in-person dining and takeout. But we are operating with the and, – and we we meet and exceed the best safety standards recommended by CDC and the state of Alabama Public Health Department. Our students uh, are, of course, always wearing masks. We socially distance them in their workplace. And of our, our restaurant for in-house dining is socially distanced as well. We encourage takeout. And, of course, those of you who are listening to this locally can uh, order takeout on our website. So, um, we've put in a few physical alterations in the cafe. Like I mentioned, we now have the glass screen. Um, you can still watch us cooking, but we have that barrier there too for people's protection. So it affected us and it, it affected uh, all of our students um, a lot, including those that we had gotten community-based employment. Uh, many of them were laid off. Um, we worked very hard with them to get their unemployment benefits while they were unemployed. But I'm happy to say now that every one of them has been reemployed either in their former jobs or we found alternate jobs for them. So we're back where we were. That's perfect. And then one last question for you is, is I've looked at the menu uh, prior to our conversation. You know, you do have everything from, from the beyond meat burgers to the lasagna, to the, the quesadillas. Do the, do the the students do everything there? Do they do all the the food prep and the waiting on the customers and run the cash register, or are they essentially just you know a couple of students that are up front as the face of the thing, and then there are other you know workers that that do the heavy lifting? Oh no, no we don't have any other workers. Uh, they do the work, and they uh, people ask me, oh my god, are you going to have your students using chef's knives and food? processors that's and, exactly where i was going with this you know ovens and you know and yeah they do they we we teach them the technique but then they're expected to operate any kind of restaurant equipment knives you know they run the dishwashers i mean they i mean we don't have any other workers i i'm i'm their teacher you're the worker uh, <laughs> and, the and i have and i have a an instruct i have a, a paraprofessional and uh who works part of the day with me helping instruct but you know they are the staff at the cafe the students are it's an incredible program and i can't encourage uh you to go uh, more strongly if you happen to find yourself in and around gadsden alabama to visit beautiful rainbow cafe and wherever you're listening today uh hop online now and go to beautiful rainbow cafe.com beautiful rainbow cafe.com Make a donation, do the right thing, and uh, and you can also find a phone number and email address there to reach out to Chip, and maybe he can give you some insight on, on how to spread this special kind of love into your community as well. Chip, thank you for spending some time with me today. Best of luck with the cafe. Oh, I, I, I would love to see you come and uh, have a meal with us, Bart. Listen, I don't pass up a lot of meals, uh, so, you know, <laughs> I, I may have to, you know, sample three or four things just for the good of giving you a nice review. I've got well, you got to try those cookies I mentioned, and, and we've got a killer ca- carrot cake right now. I potentially may have to be wheeled out of there after I have some of the quiche and the omelets <laughs> and the, uh, on and on and on. Uh, Chip, thank you so much. Best of luck with the cafe, and thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you, Bart. It's the beautiful Rainbow Cafe in Gadsden, Alabama, doing good work, doing God's work there. Hey, thank you for listening wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thank you to SpeakerMatch.com. 
our sponsor of the Big Time Talker podcast. Now, go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody. <laughs>